0: You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Again, I, I'm excited today to, con, to continue our discussion around taking a kingdom stand. This is part two of that, but of course it's a part of a broader discussion that we've been having literally all year about being kingdom strong. I was remarking to uh, Brother Kevin Little uh, earlier this week, that as we approach the end of the year, um, if the Lord, if the Lord is willing and we're here uh, for these next three Sundays, it will have been 700 messages that I've preached in this pulpit. 700 messages. Amen. In 18 and a half years, it's just 700 messages. And, uh, I just, I just praise God for the process. Amen. He's never left me in a place where he does not speak to me and tell me what he wants me to do in this place, what he wants me to emphasize in 700 messages. I have I've always felt I want to say inadequate and small to be able to deliver it. But I have never felt unprepared because God always prepares you for what he has prepared for you. And my prayer has always been and and and. And may utterance be given unto me to my open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's uh, the apostle Paul's words actually in Ephesians chapter uh, six and, and verse 19 and 20. And as for me. That utterance may be given unto me that I might open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So I'm excited about that as a milestone. It just shows the consistency of God. And him pouring into me, and then also the fact that if if you preach seven hundred messages in one pulpit, that church has been around for a little bit. Amen. We've been around for eighteen and a half years in three locations, and um, just I just pray that we just get excited about where God will take us. Amen. I I, I know I, I know it, it's not where we thought we'd be. I'll be the first to admit that. This is not the journey I thought I would be on. But the pattern of scripture is often the journey that you think you're supposed to be on and the destination and the timing and all of that is just not what God has. And we have to be faithful to what God has revealed and just keep moving. Amen. Doubt will keep you from doing Doubt will keep you from moving. And I don't want us to be in that place. So, again, feeling Feeling revived today to encourage you and to encourage me about taking a kingdom stand. We we talked last time about that stand being uh based upon uh the right perspective, having the right posture and then having the right perseverance. Amen. And then you can stand based upon the person of Christ. Amen. The person of Christ. It's always Christ at the center. That's why it's called Christianity. Amen. Christ is, I'm a Christian. Amen. Because Christ is at the center of everything that we do. We can stand because of the person of Christ. I encourage you the last time that we can stand because of the payment by Christ. The transaction at the cross uh, was, was off the chain. Amen. And if we delve into it and as we talk about payments and receipts and proof of purchase and all of those kind of things, those things, uh, remind us to us that Calvary was a transaction by blood in which God made an offering that He provided, uh, uh, to Himself that he might be pleased with the offering that was given through Jesus Christ. And so then it was the payment by Christ. And then also uh, we were encouraged last time about our position with Christ. We can stand because we are, and I know this metaphorically, doesn't. we can stand because we are seated <laughs> with Christ in heavenly places. Amen. We stand here, but we are seated there. Amen. Isn't that awesome to know that the scripture says that we're not only heirs of God, but we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so we can stand based upon our position with Christ. Therefore, again, when you take your seat, sometimes you take a seat because you're tired. But in this case, we're taking a seat because we're finished. To tell it is finished," and therefore the perspective of standing and engaging here, but being seated there, is all about the fact that we 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 we're reminded. Excuse me, that we're not fighting for victory; we're fighting from victory, and that changes our perspective. And last but not least, it's the provision from Christ amen provision from Christ and that's where we dive into this passage and we talk about the first provision that God has provided us with which is the armor of God amen the armor of God is right here in Ephesians chapter 6 and again the armor is to be put on so that we can do one thing which is to what to stand amen all of the the armor is described in such a way that when it talks about putting on this and uh, stand firm uh, placing your uh, uh with stand firm with with the belt of truth with your feet with 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 From a, from a grammatical standpoint, stand is the main verb and all of the others are in what they call participle form. And so you do that action in conjunction with the action of the Main verb, you do it at the same time. So when you talk about stand and our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, we, we're talking about that, talking about remembering our kingdom struggle. Amen. And so when we talk about being kingdom strong, we're talking about refining our kingdom sight, raising our kingdom skill, remembering our kingdom struggle. But then relying on our kingdom resources, this this passage puts those two things adjacent to each other and really drives that point home. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly world. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Put it on. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, stand firm then. And then we go into it. But he says, stand firm then with the what belt of truth. Amen. Now, we have to be reminded that when the apostle Paul is talking about putting on the armor of God. We need to understand again that we need to bring the right weapons to the right fight. We have learned over and over and been reminded in several movies, you don't bring a knife. To a gunfight, you just don't the first movie that 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 line is that I remember is this movie called The Untouchable starring Kevin Costner and Sean Connery and Sean Connery told him he's like yeah you, you don 't bring a, you don 't bring a knife to a gunfight this is a this is a gunfight, and so satan is is having a gunfight, so we have to bring the right weapon to the right uh fight second uh, Corinthians ten and five says the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. That's second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The, the weapons of our warfare are, they're not, they're not fleshly. They're not here. They're, they're spiritual. Amen. They're they're mighty through God. And and so, again, God says, here is the armor of God. I'm giving it to you as a provision. But just like I've given it to you, I need you to do what? Put it on. And the first thing I want you to do is put on the belt of truth. And again, from Paul's perspective, he's writing this epistle from jail. There are guards that are outside of his cell. I imagine and, and you can imagine that as he's writing this, there's somebody sitting out right outside his cell that's giving him a visual reminder of what the armor of God would look like if he was in terms of a Roman soldier. This is the descriptions that he's giving are the descriptions that a Roman soldier would have. The first thing is you have to have a belt the belt that was worn by a roman soldier was such that it helped to gather his tunic amen You had to have something to, to, to gather so that you're not flapping in the wind come on somebody that you're not in the hospital gown you need something that will wrap that all together so that you again i say use your imagination you're not flapping in the wind and it kept the breastplate in place and he hung the sheath for his sword on it. And so it is a foundational piece of the armor and it has to be put on before all of the other armor is literally put on. It had to be put on first before the rest of the armor. Amen. And so first, in terms of priority, we have to operate as people of integrity and truth. Amen. Amen. We have to operate as people of integrity and truth. You know, you know what God, how concerned God is about truth. Why? Because he literally in John 17 and 17, Jesus in his high priestly prayer, that's what it's called in 17. When he's praying for us as believers, he says in John 17 and 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He says, sanctify them, purify them, help them to to move from glory to glory to glory is even by the spirit of the Lord. The way that you're going to do that is for them to be able to accept revealed truth. God reveals truth. And then it's 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 up to us to receive truth. But as you know, that the process that we've talked about many times that we have, if you look at Romans chapter one, that we don't just we don't just receive truth. We reject truth. Then we rethink truth and then we replace truth. And that's why the scripture says in Romans 1 and 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We suppress truth when we do what we want to do. We suppress truth when we reject what God has revealed. We suppress truth when we rethink what God has revealed. We suppress truth when we replace what God has revealed. God is in the truth business. Man has always been in the truth suppression business. But he says if you're going to armor up, if you're going to soldier up, if you're going to be able to if you're going to be able to tool up and fight like you're supposed to fight, you have got to have you've got to be have on the belt of truth. That's the most important thing in the revealed truth. Of the word of God, but also the revealed truth of the written word of God, but the revealed truth of the living word of God, because Jesus himself says, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father, but by me, Jesus says, you you literally got to put me on because I am the truth. And in Ephesians chapter 4 and 14 it says that we henceforth be no more children Tossed to and fro, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness; thereby they lie in wait to deceive. He says, "I need you in terms of the body of Christ, and what He's building up in Ephesians 4. The end result of what He's encouraging us to do in Ephesians 4 is that we not be tossed about to and fro, and carried around by every by everything that's out there. Always rethinking what God has revealed. God wants you to do. Do a simple two-step with him. I reveal truth. You receive truth. Two steps. I just need you to stay in the pocket. Right there. Just stay right here. Arms. Don't you bite your lip. I need you right here. You don't need no pizza. They got food at home. I need you right here. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. And if you don't, you don't. But that's all right. You know what I'm talking about. Because that movie Hitch has been on TNT about 400 times since it came out. Amen. I just, God says, I just need you to do a simple two-step with me. I don't need you to get fancy. We don't need you to rethink anything. Just, you don't have to make the pizza. You don't have to take the Q-tip and throw it away. We're not interested in that from you. Truth, the belt of truth. And then it says, secondly, then it's what? The breastplate of Righteousness stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled about your race with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate. Come on, somebody primarily protected the what? the chest of the soldier, really from the neck all the way down to the to the groin area. But primarily the chest spiritual, spiritually righteousness will guard the heart of the believer. And I love that. I think about Proverbs chapter four and twenty three Solomon's wisdom to a young man. He says what above all else guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. He said, "I I wish I could. But above all, if you don't hear anything else, I'm telling you. And I got wisdom for days. He said, but above all, I need you to guard your heart. Guard. Think of it, that word meaning to garrison, to to put some troops around it, to pay attention to it. There's something precious that's happening. And, and, and you need to guard your heart. For out of it flow the what? The issues of life. The issues of life flow out of it. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus has this discussion with the Pharisees and and, and the disciples about Hand washing. Amen. And they say, why don't your disciples wash their hands? And Jesus wasn't advocating that they be nasty and not wash their hands. But he he was just he was just saying that in terms of priority, most important thing is it's not what goes into the body that defiles a man. It's what comes out He said, because what goes in enters the mouth and then comes out, as the King James says, in the draught. Amen. It goes, comes in, comes out. He says in verse uh, 17, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. Amen. And so he said, you got to guard your heart. Jeremiah 17:9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it the apostle i mean excuse me king solomon says guard your house for heart for out of it flow the issues of life and so again you have to have protection from your heart and in the, that breastplate what will protect your heart really from the inside not outside but what protects your heart beloved is righteousness this is not the righteousness that's ours at conversion that's given through faith It's the practice and pursuit of righteousness in godly living. Let me say that again. This righteousness that's being emphasized here is not the righteousness that is ours because of our relationship with Jesus Christ in terms of justification. It's the righteousness that we need to practice and pursue with godly living, which is about sanctification first timothy 6 and 11 says but you man of god flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness we've got to be able to pursue righteousness we've got to guard our heart we have to guard our what heart heart And we need to appropriate Christ's righteousness and then walk in it. Romans 6 and 13 say what? Do not offer any part of yourself to sin. As an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of what righteousness. Offer every part of yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. I want you to guard your heart. Let me let me just give you a little just a little bonus. It just I want I want to give you a, a just a little bonus track about hearts. There's seven kinds of hearts. Amen. Double click. Just this bonus. You want to guard your heart? These are the there's six hearts you don't want. And there's there's one that you do. And we won't go into great detail. I, I just, I just, I just drop it on you. Let, let, let that marinate. Let you think about it. The first kind of heart you can have is a blocked heart. Amen. A blocked heart is a, is a heart. And you think about that from a heart. A blocked heart is from anger. Amen. A blocked heart is a, is a revelation that there's anger there. A broken heart, grief. Many of us are in a place where we've got broken hearts because of grief. Hard heart. Hard heart. That's doubt that indicates the presence of doubt. If you have a hard heart, a weak heart, boy, ain't got no heart fear. A failing heart. Discouragement. A dead heart. you uncoded dead heart unbelief. And the heart that you have to have. Which is a tender heart. The tender heart is an indication of faith. God wants you to have a tender heart. Amen. So that you are uh, inclined to the truth that he's trying to reveal to your heart and mind. The breastplate of righteousness will 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 help us if we understand that we have Christ's righteousness because of our faith in him. But we need to also understand that we must pursue and practice righteousness that will help to guard our heart and keep our heart tender. Not blocked, not failing and definitely not dead. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of what? Peace. A Roman soldier's footwear was a leather half boot called a caliga. And it was designed to be impervious to all kinds of terrain. If you don't have on the right footwear, it will mess up your entire experience if you've just gone outside with no shoes on in a hot summer day to get the paper at the end of the driveway or to bring the garbage cans back if you have on the wrong footwear that is not a good experience if you are swimming in the Caribbean or in the ocean in another location and you don't have on those little reef walker shoes and you hit some coral reef reef <laughs> wrong shoes, no shoes that is not the experience you want so footwear matters and literally if you don't have on the right footwear, everything shuts down you can't you you, you And a Roman soldier could not be in a place where he was not prepared for whatever the terrain was. And so they had a uh, almost like you consider tires. They had all weather tires. They they had the tires that you don't have to swap out. I don't have a sports performance package. I don't have these specialized. I've got the all weather tires that whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, whether it's sunny. I'll give you everything I got. But it's all weather, all performance. I have to have that because I don't know what I'm going to see amen and that footwear made them prepared and in the same way the apostle Paul is saying your feet need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of mm, peace proper footwear is necessary to battle and we are to wear the what the shoes of the gospel First Corinthians 15 and one says, "Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Brothers, I want to remind you, sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. Amen. To which you received and on which you take your stand. It's a based upon the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. From faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. He says you got to take it. Back so that you remember that the path of faith always starts with the the gospel. We can't get far away from the gospel message. Amen. And Romans 10 and 15 says, and how can anyone preach unless they are set as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Are you and I prepared to share the good news of the gospel at the drop of a hat? Do we have on the right footwear? Is is, is our mind made up that we understand what it means to be able to share the gospel with somebody that needs to hear? Or are you all discombobulated and have to go back into the house and change your shoes? Because you're not ready to walk down the driveway on a hot day to do what you need to do. And it's like, no, I don't have on the right footwear. You've got to be ready. First Peter 3 and 15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. He said, but be ready. Be also ready. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that life within you with meekness and with fear. Be ready. Fear meaning soberness. Fear meaning I understand the stakes here. I've got to always be ready to share the gospel. There's an axiom in sales, which is ABC. Come on, somebody tell me what ABC means. Always be closing. Jesus, our sales manager, when he gets to the, 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 the quarterly sales meeting, that's what he's asking us. Hey, I, the, here's, the, here's the sales report. What's going on here? I don't see enough sales. Always be closing. Always be ready. Your kingdom people, If you're going to be kingdom strong. You have to have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace and peace is born, beloved, out of reconciliation. And we have to be able to present to people that they need to be reconciled to one another. They need to be reconciled to circumstance. But most importantly, they need to be reconciled to God. And then the peace of God can flow in their life once they've been reconciled. That's the good news of the gospel. Always be closing. The fourth thing is the shield of faith. And it says in verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can't extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. For a Roman soldier, it was made of wood and leather. It was about two and a half feet wide, four feet long. So we're not talking about something small and circular. We're talking about something that's, that's pretty big. Something that they can I don't want to say hide behind, but if you've seen the movie Gladiator, when you, when you see the Praetorians, when they come out and they're in the arena, those shields that they have are they're relatively from a size, they're big, they're huge shields. So much so that they can literally sit down behind them and, and crouch down behind them as well. And, and it's, they often wet them in order to absorb the flaming arrows of the enemy. Amen? And so they knew that, that those flaming arrows would, would be coming. And so they would wet their shields so that they might be able to help absorb that. It also protected the other pieces of armor. Therefore, here's the conclusion for you and for me: We need unshakable faith, faith that is backed up by action. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. Not seen, but 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 James chapter two, 17 through 20 says in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action is what it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you not? Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? What he's saying is you gotta back that thing up. Amen. Faith has to be backed up. It's gotta be backed up with actions. Back that thing up. That's what the apostle Paul, the apostle James, excuse me, is saying to us. You gotta back it up. And we need a unshakable faith, a faith that is backed up by action. And literally, the fiery darts of the wicked one, we could characterize And we've done this before, but but the darts that he throws, doubt, deception, discord, discouragement. Just four. We've talked about them in a different different format. We've also talked about anger and worry and strife and all those. But just those four that that actually those those darts are the enemy. Let's just call it doubt, deception, discord, and discouragement. And The God has an antidote for everything that Satan is throwing for doubt. God's antidote, God's response to to the the flaming arrow and doubt of of doubt from Satan in your life is faith. He said, "If you've got doubt, you you better come back at him with some faith. There's doubt, there's faith. If it's deception, you got to hit him with the facts." Amen. And so he hits you with deception. He's the father of lies. You got to tell the truth. You got to tell him the set of facts. Amen. And it's not the facts of your not your feelings. You tell him the facts. That's talking. about the word of God. That's talking about the perspective of God. He's, he throws a a dart of doubt. You, you, you throw an arrow of faith. He throws one of deception. You come back with fact. He wants to sow discord among the brethren. It's one of the seven things that God says he hates is sowing discord among the brethren. He's always trying to get in between us and mess up our flow. And so the, what we do to come back discord is fellowship. Let us not forsake the meeting of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We've got to get on the same page with one another and fellowship. The more we get together, the better it is. And we've got to deal with discord through fellowship. And last but not least, you know, the devil deals in discouragement. And God's answer is, boy, girl, you better focus. Focus what not on your problems, but on your God, faith, fact, fellowship, focus. We haven't gone over that in years and years, but it's still as true then as it is to still as true today as it was then. Doubt, faith, deception, fact, discord, fellowship, discouragement, focus. The shield of faith. And then, hmm, just a summary of, of Psalms chapter 3, it says, Lord, how they increase that trouble me. Many there be that rise up against me. Many there be that say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory. Come on, somebody. And the lifter up. Of my head. I will not be afraid of 10,000. of people that have set themselves against me. Round about why? Because thou oh Lord are a shield. For me. My glory. <laughs> and a lifter up of my head. When he lifts up your head. Your head is looking at you, uh-uh. Look up. He's a shield. For me. And then he talks about. Taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. We'll deal with the sword of the spirit separately because it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we'll pivot and talk about the word of God over the next couple of weeks. But now we're talking about the helmet of salvation. That fifth armor element. The helmet of salvation is to keep your mind. For a Roman soldier, obviously, it protected, you know, protect your head. You got, you know, people coming for your head. Amen. You got to protect it. Straight, straight arrow, uh, in battle, uh, you you, you got to have the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation keeps your mind. It is identified with the hope of salvation. In First Thessalonians five eight, it says, "But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet." Amen. The hope of salvation as a helmet. We must be confident of whose we are as we go forth in battle. In whom we also trusted that after we heard the word of God, the gospel of salvation, in whom also after that ye believe, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory that's what ephesians 1 13 and 14 says he says again that holy spirit has been given to us as an earnest deposit until the purchased possession happens amen unto the praise of his glory so you got to know where your future is you got to know that it's secure you've got to know that you can stand based upon the person of christ and the payment by price. By Christ and our position with Christ. All of that is what will keep your mind so that now you can do battle with your provision from Christ. Because you know who you are. You know whose you are. You know that you're fighting from victory and not for victory. All of those things have to be a part of your your helmet package. Amen. To keep your mind so you can focus on your job. We know the outcome. We know the victory. We know whose we are. We know who we are in Christ. And you got to be persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors to him that loved us. What shall we say, shall? Tribulation or persecution, or distress, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, but we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. So in the battle, we can't let our mind wander We put that helmet of salvation on and that's why salvation is is eternal security is such an important element because we are secure in the decision that we made for Jesus Christ and his ability to keep that which we have committed unto him until that day that we can battle freely and not let our mind wander that we're on the right side. We are. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Go ahead. Do battle. Put on that belt of truth. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Put on that shield of faith. Have your feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on the helmet of salvation. And then put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon that you need to battle. And you always battle where your blessings are. This is a heavenly battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I know you want to battle your boss at work. Do that if that's what you want to do, but you're going to get written up. I'm not saying that you should be battling him or her. It's spiritual warfare. We got to be ready for the battle. Amen? Ready for the battle.